excited to be here this morning. And, uh, you know, as I was praying about this and I want to share, I just felt the Lord say, we need to raise our expectation level. We need to raise our expectation because I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but God has expectations of you. And I used to, that used to really kind of, uh, I don't know, intimidate me. Because I think, you know, growing up, I was afraid of not meeting people's expectations. You know, sometimes you go and you have parents who have expectations of you, your teachers, your coaches, whatever, people that are important in your life, your friends, you know, they have expectations of us. And sometimes we carry the weight of those expectations. And to, to disappoint someone or to know that you've disappoint, disappointed someone, I used to hate that. If I, if I messed up and my parents, well, they wouldn't spank me. They just put that disappointed look. That was what, just spank me, please, right? Because the, the feeling of not meeting those expectations or disappointing someone was just, that was worse than actually the physical spanking, right? right? The, the sharp pain on the backside was over with quickly, but that feeling of disappointment uh, was crushing on the inside. But you know, I want to clear this up because the expectations that God has for us, they aren't like human expectations. They aren't like worldly expectations, God is constantly thinking good things about you. He's not trying to catch you out doing something wrong, right? And, and we give him plenty of material to work with. I do anyway, okay? I was looking at this scripture, and um, I know that BJ and Lisa, they had... Um, man, I was just thinking, you know what? Our kids were babies when we met. What happened to them, right? We are not old enough to have kids this old. I don't know how that happens. They're driving, they're getting married, having babies of their own. Our babies are having babies. Anyway, Jeremiah 29.11, they had a conference in August just a, a month or so ago, A Hope and a Future. And I want to read this scripture. I'm sure you've, you've heard this before. Um, this is in the New King James. It's Jeremiah 29.11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, they called their, their meeting Hope and a Future. What a great name for a conference, right? And I want to unpack this a little bit because look at this. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. First of all, let's not skip over the fact that God's crazy about us and he's thinking about us a lot, right? You're like con constantly on his mind. Little bit of an obsession, okay? But have you ever seen a new parent with a brand new baby? Obsessed. Those little people take over your whole life. You just recently, well, a few months ago now, had, had a baby, right? When we had our first child, Zach, I don't know what happened. Like, we were in a, living in a little apartment in London. This, you know, seven-pound pink and wrinkly little creature that couldn't even, you know, walk or talk or do anything useful other than lay there and cry and poop had, had turned his parents into a blob of marshmallow. Like, we were crying all the time. Like, we didn't sleep, right? I looked around the apartment. There's, like, laundry. We didn't have a dryer. We were po. We couldn't have fed the, for the poor, right? We were just po. But we didn't have a dryer or anything, so we had to do all our laundry, like, and hang it around the apartment. I mean, the apartment was wrecked, and the child couldn't even move. I don't know how that happened, okay? But we were obsessed with this little creature. We were obsessed even though he had really nothing to offer us as parents, we were obsessed with him. We just had this love for him. And it was the same for all of our children, Josh. Don't get jealous, okay? But, um, you know, and, and here's the thing with, with parents. You know, you love your kids because you just, you can't help it. You just, you just love them. Not because of what they can do for you, but because you just love them. Why would we think the Lord is any different with us? 
He's no different. He loves you no matter what, whether you serve him a day in your life. It's not going to change how he feels about you. And this verse, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now, if, you, if you're a Hebrew scholar, okay, which I'm not, but um, so I'm not going to try and pronounce the Hebrew word that thoughts means. But if you, if you look that up, you know, this is talking about not just thoughts, but purpose, imaginations. It, it means um, a device, a plan. God is thinking about us, but he's always got uh, this machine going. He's always purposing uh, positive imaginations over us. He's always dreaming on your behalf. He has great expectations for you. You know, the English author Charles Dickens wrote a book, Great Expectations. Some of us need to read that. We need to have great expectations. God has great expectations for you. Not to put pressure on you, not to beat you if you don't meet up to them, but just because he sees the potential that he's put in you. He sees potential. You know, you just get around, you know, parents of, I don't know, uh, high schoolers for a while, okay? Our, our, our son, um, he, he played competitive soccer, and, and it was fun. We were the crazy parents on the sidelines. And Ashley actually got emails because he would run up and down the sidelines. He wasn't the coach. He thought he was the coach, okay? Uh, in his imagination, he was a legend. And so uh, he would run up and down, helping the, helping the referee out. Because sometimes they need, help, they need help, don't they? They need video evidence, you know. They need VAR or whatever it is, right? And, um, you know, if, if, they, if they call a card that's wrong, they might need some convincing of their errors in glove, right? And Ashley did a lot of it. We'd get emails. Please, Mr. Terridez, you need to just go back in the stands and sit down, right? But if you hang out with parents, parents just, I don't know what it is. We see our kids in the best light most of the time. Right, we, and especially as we get older and we look back, we kind of have those rose-tinted spectacles about the good old days, and you were so cute. And but you know, when you're in it in the moment, raising toddlers, I think I lost brain cells. It was hard. It was hard. If we arrived at church on a Sunday morning and we were all dressed with all of our shoes on the right feet, I mean, it, um, I think it was a move of God. Really, it really, no, truly, it was. And and it was hard in the moment. But, you know, parents look back and they, they see things differently. They overlook, you know, a lot of their kids' indiscretions. They overlook all of the rough edges. I guess love covers a multitude of sin. God is not holding your sin against you. He's not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to catch you out. He's constantly thinking thoughts towards you that are good, that are imagining things for you. He's imagining the best for you. He's imagining you winning. He's imagining you, you being victorious. He's imagining you helping other people to be victorious. Amen? He's imagining you prospering. He's imagining you walking in health. He's imagining you reading the Word and believing it. Woo! Come on, right? Because why wouldn't you if you really knew how good He was? So He's always thinking good things for us. He says, I think, um, thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. A future. You know, this is really interesting because if you study this out, you see that the thoughts of God for you, the imaginations of God for you, are actually creating your hope and your future. There's a creative power in the thoughts that God is thinking in your life. 
Do you not think that we need to get on the same page as what God is thinking about us and think those thoughts too? If that is powerful enough to create for us a hope and a future in this world, man, I want to know what he's thinking. I want to know what he's thinking, right? And this word hope here, you know, in some translations it says an expected end, right? An expected end. He's expecting you to end well, right? But, but this word hope, it actually means a, a number of different things, but it's talking specifically about expectation, expectation. God wants us to raise our expectation. You know, um, as we were traveling around like crazy parents watching, you know, our kids play sports, you know, we just, we just learned a few things. We learned how to dress real warm. In, we're, in, we're from Colorado, not natives, obviously. But, uh, you know, we learned how to dress real warm. We learned how to stop our butt freezing on the benches, the metal bleachers. You know, we, we learned how to get up really early. We learned how to have a lot of patience. We learned that most of the time our kids were not going to talk to us because, you know, we were parents um, and they had the whole team there, right? But there were things that we learned in those moments that I didn't anticipate learning. And that was watching the team win. And he went to, Josh went to a Christian school, and it wasn't really a very big school, was it? I mean, comparatively speaking. And so, the, you know, they played in these, these different leagues, different levels according to the sizes. And the amount of times we watched their team go out against teams that should have absolutely destroyed them, right? And yet they won. And there were other times where they went out, and they, there were teams that they should have beat easily, and they, like, they just lost. And like, what is the deal here? What? There's got to be something. The amount of hours I spent sitting on a freezing cold bleacher in the snow, right? Lord, you must have something to show me through this, surely, other than just perseverance having its perfect work, okay? But the Lord showed me the deal breaker for those boys, whether they knew it or not, was their expectation level. You see, when they went out to, to play against teams that they should have beat easily, sometimes there was a complacency. There was a complacency. And this was the Christian teams. They'd circle up, they'd pray before they played and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, but sometimes there was just a complacency about them. Like, they're just going to go out and do it in their own strength and in their own effort. And, and, you know, they were caught by surprise. They figured out pretty soon, we can't do this by ourselves, right? We can't, even when we think we can, we can't. There's a lesson in that. But the bigger lesson was when they went out and they, I was going to say fought against teams. Well, there was some physical tufty cuffs, right? Fisty cuffs going on there. But, um, you know, when they, when they beat teams that they should have lost against, most of the time is because they were the underdogs. And they didn't, they didn't have, like, nobody in the crowd really expected them to win. It was going to have to be an act of God. It really was. And, and, and I kind of learned that their attitude before they went on the pitch was more influential over the outcome than the strength of anyone else that was on that field. It was all on the inside first. And to me, that was a really powerful lesson to go away with because I'm like, how many times have we faced challenges? Have we faced crises maybe in our life where we knew that we couldn't, we couldn't get to the other side of that mountain by ourselves? We were going to have to hold on. We we're going to have to believe God. Right? Can anyone testify to times like that, right? And yet we look back, and I love what Austin was saying during worship, was that, you know, we need to remember the goodness of God. We need to remember that He's faithful, that He's always been there, that He's brought us through, and learn to rehearse our, tests, our, our victories. 
You know, when the children of Israel went into battle, they would send out the praise team first, which always really just surprises me because I think that's really funny. I mean, like, if it was me, right, going out to battle on the military, on the front lines, I wouldn't be like, where's the tambourine player, right? You know, where's the flag wavers? You know, can we have some more of those? Send those people out first. They're the kind of creative people, right? I mean, they're not necessarily like the really raw, get the muscle going. I would have picked people differently. I mean, I'm just saying, no disrespect, you know, but I'm just saying, okay? They're not the necessarily the, the linebackers that you think, oh, we should put the big dudes out first. But something happens when we get into praise and worship. We focus our expectation upon the Lord, and it changes the circumstance before we even get on the field. Before we even go out, I can't tell you how many battles in the Old Testament were won when they sent the praises out. And by the time the army got out there, all the opposition was already dead. They got so confused by the people praising in the middle of a trial, in the middle of that trial, that they killed each other. I mean, God literally fought for them. You know, this is what happens when we set our expectation, our hope upon the Lord. And I just feel like. There is something that's been really stirring in me recently that in this season that we're moving into, you know, nothing new happens under the sun, right? Nothing surprises the Lord, right? But, but often there are things that are new for us, right? We, sometimes we go through circumstances, seasons, um, economies that we haven't experienced before, pandemics we haven't experienced before, all kinds of stuff where there doesn't seem like anyone's been before us. Guess what? There's always someone that's been before you. We have the Lord, amen? He's already gone ahead of you, right? But these circumstances can be new to us, and if we're not careful, we'll have misguided, misplaced, or negative expectation. How many of you have heard the scripture that hope deferred makes the heart sick? Right? Okay, that's a proverb. Well, the problem is our hope becomes deferred when we have the wrong kind of hope. Or the wrong kind. Did you know there are, there are several types of expectation? You can have different kinds of expectation. And your expectation is a spark of your faith. And you might think, well, why is that really important? Well, because hope, you know, you come with a hope. Maybe you came into church today hoping for something, hoping to get a word, hoping to be encouraged, hoping to have someone stand in agreement with you, hoping to have uh, some kind of breakthrough in your life. And that you came with that hope. Guess what? That is the spark of faith. It's the very seed of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that, that faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. So hope is the spark of your faith. You come in, now hope isn't, the, isn't the, the end of that uh, belief system. Hope is the beginning of it. You see, we access the promises of God by faith, not by hope. It's the starting point. We start in hope. We come in. We believe. We have a positive expectation. When people lay hands on me, I'm going to receive the healing power of God into my life. Hallelujah. Amen? And that hope is what gets you in the car and calls you to drive here. Because you say in your heart, when I get there, when someone lays hands on me, when I come down the front, when I take communion, when whatever, whatever you put your hope on, that is the point at which I'm going to receive. Hope is that thing that moves you somewhere. It gets you up out of the chair. It gets you stirred up on the inside. I like to think of it this way. If, if faith is like an engine or a furnace, right, where it's the powerhouse that accesses the promises of God that grace has provided, um, hope is like the pilot light. It is the spark on that furnace. 
is the tiny little clicker, the ignition on your gas stove when you click it that makes the whole ring light up, right? It's the spark that, that then faith will bring substance to. And this is really important because sometimes people are snuffed out at a hope level, right? And it's not by the Lord. He, he doesn't break a, a broken reed or snuff out just the, the smallest little spark of a candle, okay? Man, we could, we, could, we could preach on that. But listen, he has a kind of hope that is nurturing, that, is, that adds fuel to the fire, that encourages you, that is sure, that is steadfast. I want to show you some scriptures here, okay? Because this is really important if you're facing some kind of trial or maybe you're in the middle, and, and I hate being in the middle. In the middle is the middle between God says, saying yes to his promises and us saying amen. Right? I do feel like we're sometimes the most vulnerable right in the middle. You know, God, all of his promises are yes and amen, but we have to say amen. He said yes, we have to say a, our amen to his promises. And sometimes that bit in the middle where maybe there's a little time lag is the bit where our hope can be attacked the most. And it, we can find it deferred, okay? But, you know, the hope, when we put our hope in God, this isn't like hope that the world has. It's different from hope in the world. Hope in the world says, well, you know what? I hope it's going to be sunny tomorrow. I hope I'm going to win the lottery. I hope when somebody lays hands on me, there may be something might just change. Right? There's no guarantee in any of that. And that's the problem, okay? Because hope in things of the world have no guarantee. They are wishful thinking. You look up hope in the dictionary, it calls it wishful thinking. There's no guarantee. There's a, me there's a measure of positivity about that, right? But, but, but there's no guarantee for it. It may or it may not happen. Wishful thinking. Now, and, and this is the kind of, this is what, you know, the doctor will tell you sometimes. Well, you know, the best you can hope for is, under the circumstances, the best possible outcome would be this, right? We can just hope for the best. We hope for the best. Or they might tell you, you know what, there's no hope. Just, you know, they said this, basically said this to, to our daughter. They expected when she was uh, three years old for us to take her home and she was going to die. They had no hope for her. But when we started to put our hope in Jesus, we realized that was a different kind of expectation altogether. And that's an expectation that doesn't disappoint because it's grounded on somebody that doesn't let you down. It's not grounded on something that is hit or miss. And, you know, the thing about faith, hope is the spark of faith, is faith has evidence associated with it. It is substance associated with it. Hope is the, faith is the substance of things hoped for. When we put our hope in God, not only does it doesn't, it doesn't disappoint, but it gives us a good testament. It gives us um, results. Look at this in Romans 5, um, 5, and you can go towards the, towards the last part of that. It says, um, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit Who's given it to us, right? Our hope doesn't disappoint. Man, this is, this is powerful. You know, the word hope, we, we read one definition of it in Jeremiah, meaning expectation, but it also means um, to be grounded. To be grounded. When you put your hope in the Lord, it'll ground you. It'll stop you from being shifting sand. You know, when you watch too much of the constantly negative news, CNN, I'm telling you, that's not going to ground you. 
That's not going to fill you with faith. That's not going to fill you with positive expectations of good things happening for you, right? That's going to fill you with fear. That's going to have you checking all of the things in the natural. That's going to have you making crazy plans, acting like a crazy person, acting like the rest of the world, right? It's not going to ground you, right? But what the, the, when we put our hope in God, it, settled us. it settles us. It brings stability on the inside when all of the rest of the world has lost their mind. That's a difference. That's how you can have peace in a storm. It's when you put your posit, your hope in God. So our, ho- our hope is also a ground that is fertile. Think about it this way. I just made this comment to Ashley on the way in here. I think you could probably just about grow anything here, right? It's so green. I mean, I'm pretty sure that if you stood still long enough, you'd have vines crawl up your legs and try and take you down, right? It's so green here. It's so fertile here. You know, our heart, when we put our hope, our positive expectation in the Lord, we become fertile ground for seeds of faith. Think about this for a moment. You know, oftentimes we talk about faith as as seeds, right? The parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4. Jesus says he's the sower and he goes out and he sows the word. And the the word of God is like a seed that falls on different types of ground and he goes through the four different types of ground. You know, our heart, our hope, our expectation, it lays the groundwork, the fertility for that seed of faith. So when, when somebody speaks a word of faith, when our hope is in God, when our expectation is in God, man, it meets that seed and germination happens. They get ready for a harvest. Amen. It makes our heart a good ground for that word of God when it's read or when it's listened to to take root in and produce fruit in our lives. It's powerful. You know, th- this is interesting, but um, let's just look at this in Luke chapter 8. I want to show you this real quickly. Luke chapter 8. You know, um, also Mark 4, I like Luke's account here, but... There we go. This is the sower as well. Um, you know, look at this in, in the... First verse there, um, this is 8, verse 11. Now the parable means this, the seed is the word of God and along the path are those who hear. So lots of people can be hearing the word of God. Have you ever wondered why, um, you know, some people hear the same message and it really impacts them and other people are just sleeping next to you, right? Okay, everyone's hearing with their physical ears, but some people haven't got that hope, that expectation, so their heart is not fertile. So the seed just bounces right off, right? The seed of the word that they're hearing. It says, then comes the, the devil, he's so sneaky, that takes away the word from their hearts, lest they should believe it and be saved. That word saved also means rescued, it means healed, it means made whole, it means delivered. People hear the word of God and they receive whatever promises it is that they need, right? But it's the enemy that comes to steal it quickly because he's terrified that if you have a fertile ground in your heart and you hear it and receive it, it's going to bear fruit. It doesn't matter what you do. If you plant a seed, something's going to happen to that seed. The only way that seed doesn't produce fruit is if, or whatever it's supposed to be, I'm not a gardener, you could probably tell, is if you dig it up. If you dig that seed up and look at it every day, you're going to kill it. It has to be planted. And for it to grow, you know, there's different results. You can read through that whole passage there, and you'll find there's different results to that same seed. Same seed, different results. In certain types of ground, that seed produces a lot more than in other types of ground. 
And, you know, it's the hope and our expectation, which is almost like the fertilizer on the ground of our heart. And the people that, that see the most fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold return, are the people that have a positive expectation in their heart. Man, so this is really important. God has great expectations for us, but where are our expectations? That's where it really matters. Well, and, and a lot of this, you know, if I was to spend time with you, I could tell what your expectation is, what your hope is in, just by listening to you for a while, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, if you're hanging around people constantly and they're negative all the time, it's really, you know, you can hope to be positive, but usually their negativity, man, you just can't stand it. You either have to walk away or it's a little contagious. Have you noticed that? That's why we've got we to be careful like how much time we spend in those constantly negative environments or listening to those things because it does affect us. And the enemy is there as a hope stealer. He's a hope stealer, right? He's trying to steal things from you. So I want to show you some things here, different types of expectation, okay? Um, four different kinds of expectation. We're now, we all have expectation or hope. You can use those words interchangeably, but what do we put in those things in? Okay, so different types of expectation. The first kind here is a negative expectation. Many of us have um, experienced this different times in our life. Some of us, we naturally gravitate towards the negative. And you probably have recognized this in yourself, and you maybe you've been around friends that have been too kind to point it out, right? Okay, but you're hurting yourself. You are your own worst enemy. If you are constantly a person that is, is pessimistic, is looking for reasons why it's, it's not going to work for you, why everything's going to go wrong, you know, that's like the complete opposite to faith. That's taking like the ground of your heart and pouring toxic waste all over it and hoping fruit to grow. It's just not going to happen, right? If you, if you um, where is that big nuclear reactor? Chernobyl, right? You go to Chernobyl, this nuclear reactor that blew up, you know, in the 80s or whatever it was. I mean, they can't grow stuff there. If stuff does grow, they can't eat it because it's bad fruit. It's covered in toxic waste. It's covered in radiation. Negativity is like toxic waste. I mean, it's like radiation, right? Look, let's look at this. This is in uh, Luke 21 and verse uh, 25. Now, uh, this whole passage here is actually talking about the signs of the times, right? Jesus is telling his disciples how it's, things are going to go down in the future. And he says in... Um, We'll just back up here uh, into 25. There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on earth, distress of nations. Are we seeing that now? We're already seeing it, right? Um, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men fainting. This is the verse I want to get to. Men fainting from fear and expectation of what is coming on the inhabitants of the earth. Think about that for a moment. People actually fainting, their hearts literally failing within them from a, a, a negative expectation. You know, that word expectation there, it's prosdokia, and it means a constant apprehension or looking after of evil. A constantly expecting the worst to happen. And here's the difficult part of this, right? It, in, on one hand, it's our expectation that'll help us receive, and on the other hand, it's the same expectation that can be our biggest uh, pitfall. And really, it depends on what we put. It's nothing wrong with expectation. It's where we're putting it that matters. 
It's what we're putting in that matters. And people that are constantly expecting the worst, maybe they've come from a background where things have just, they've had a lot of tragedy. They've believed for things and they've had a lot of disappointment. They've, you know, stuff's happened and it hasn't, hasn't come out as, as they thought it was. You know, and so now their natural bent is to look back and just to be negative because it's a, it's a way of self-preservation. You know, you see that? When, you, when you're constantly looking for something to go wrong, subconsciously expecting it to go wrong, then you're not surprised when it does go wrong. Your faith is working perfectly. It's working in the wrong area, right? What would happen? You're getting exactly what you believe for, subconsciously speaking, right? What would happen if, if your faith is that powerful that you put it and you just made a small adjustment and you put it in something that aligned with the Word of God and you start speaking blessings and you start speaking prosperity and you speak speaking life and you start speaking breakthrough over those things. That same power and that expectation and faith will cause that future to manifest. Think about that. Remember, God is constantly imagining future for you. He's constantly imagining, planning, devising good things for you. What would happen if we started to agree with his future for us? Man, that's something else, right? Our future is cooling us. It just depends which one we're heading towards. The future that God has or the future that the world or ourself has, right? It depends. So there's a negative expectation. Now that's, but that same power that's on the inside of us, that same ability can be used for, for good also, right? Oftentimes, though, people get stuck in what I call a neutral expectation. They get stuck and they, they never get their furnace of faith lit, right? It never gets lit. And they, some of us just need to get lit, right? We just need to, we need, we need to stir ourselves up, okay? <laughs> Hope is always for them, you know, someday, somehow, it's out there, coming soon to a life near you, but it's never really for you. You know, and these are the people that believe that good things happen to everybody else, and everybody else's prayers are powerful, but not theirs. They're just neutral, right? They've just, I don't know, become inoculated. They're not really doing anything. There's an apathy there. And it's really easy in our culture you know, when we're not in the time of crisis, crisis changes everything. It gives people motivation. But when we're just trucking along, you know, we're going through our daily life and, and there's no major crisis going on. You know, we can pay our bills. No one's dying. You know, it's just we're feeding the family. You know, that kind of, it's really easy to get stuck in neutral. Your car will very happily sit in the parking lot in neutral forever. But that's not what it was designed to do. It was designed to go somewhere. It was designed to, to take a journey, to travel. Cars love to be driven, okay? And their drivers like to drive them, right? So what's the point? No one goes to a car showroom and says, I want one of those cars that's really good at just sitting in neutral. Can you give me one that just looks, I just want a, a pretty one that's going to sit and not do anything. No one ever does that because that's not the purpose that it's designed for. And while we can survive in neutral, it's kind of going to be boring. I don't know, life is faster when you go fast. It's more fun that way, okay? It's more fun when you raise your arms like this, you know? Man, come on, we don't want to be stuck in neutral. And there's an apathy there, okay? An apathy. We need to be careful of this. You know, that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word, right? And, and so I, how I get stuck, out, get people out of neutral is I'll ask them a question. I like, I like this because Jesus did it. He's, you know, you, you can look through the Gospels. You see Jesus asking questions. What are you believing for when we pray? 
Not coming soon to a life you know, near you, not, not next week, not, not to somebody else. What are you believing is going to change the moment that we pray? When we make faith now, it, put, it changes things. It raises the expectation level. You know, Hebrews 11, verse 1, doesn't matter what translation you read that in, they all start with now faith is. Now. When is now? It's now. There's an immediacy about it. There's an urgency about it, right? It's now. Let's bring what we're expecting into the now, and it will get us out of this neutral expectation. Okay, the other one is misplaced expectation. Now, I'm not going to read this whole passage, but you'll find this in 2 Kings 5, 9 to 14, okay? This is the story of Naaman. He was um, an officer in the Syrian army that got leprosy, and he heard that Elijah was going around healing people, so he was convinced. You know, he was, he was a man of great stature. He, he, was, he was demanding some respect. He goes to Elijah, knocks on his door, and guess what? The prophet doesn't even come out and say hello. He sends his servant. Naaman gets very angry. In fact, he gets enraged. And, and the message that he was given by the servant from the prophet was, go dip in the river seven times and you'll be healed. Now, he actually got so furious that he stormed out of there. He was disrespected. He had a misplaced or a misguided expectation. And when it wasn't met, when his prayer was not answered in the way that he thought it should, he got angry, he got frustrated, and he nearly missed his miracle. You know, I believe that there are many breakthroughs, many miracles that are missed out on because people give up in the middle of misplaced or misguided expectation. They started out right, but when it didn't turn out exactly how they thought it would, they, I don't have any patience for that. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going to get out my shovel of unbelief and dig up that seed of faith that I just planted. Right? You know, as Hebrew says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises. That is not on a fridge magnet anywhere that I found. Okay? Faith and patience. Come on. Patience is going to hold your faith in place until you see it manifest, regardless of if it takes a little time or not. So misplaced expectation. The last one is where we want to be, and that is positive expectation. Positive expectation. You know, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 7 in the Amplified, it says it this way. And our hope for you, our joyful and confident expectation of good for you is unwavering, assured, and unshaken. Think about that for a moment. When we are constantly putting our hope in God, no matter what, what, what about if it doesn't work out? What about if you pray for somebody and nothing happens? What about if you believe God and, you know what, it's still uncomfortable for a while? And what about if nothing changes immediately? What are you going to do then? I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm not going to be moved. Why? Because it says here that it's confident, it's unwavering, it's assured. That means guaranteed and it is unshaken. What did it, you know, when we started out this morning, we said Romans 5 verse 5, which means our hope does not disappoint. The reason we get disappointed is because oftentimes we move away from it. We move away from the very person that we put, the, put, put our hope in in the first place. Stick with the answer. Stick with Jesus. Stick with your Father that has constantly good imaginations for you, constantly good plans for you, constantly thinking good things about you, planning for your future. That's a hope that doesn't disappoint. And that's the kind of hope that we're going to need in the coming days. 
right? That's the kind of hope that's going to keep us grounded. I'm going to leave you this one last scripture. This is Psalm 27. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Look at it, think about that for a moment. I would have lost heart. I would have gotten depressed. I, I, I would have gotten confused. I would have gotten into fear. I would have gotten an, into anxiety or frustration or anger or unbelief unless I had believed. Because when we put hope in something that is sure, like the goodness of God, it changes things. He says, look, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is one of the things of, of hope is imagination. We have to see it. We have to see it by the eyes of faith, what God is doing. We have to see ourselves well. We need to see ourselves prospering. We need to see ourselves walking into work and having favor. We need to see doors of opportunity opening up for us. We need to see people, relationships being healed, people coming back into our life. We need to see ourselves being promoted, right? We need to see it. We need to expect the goodness of God in the land of the living. It says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait on the Lord. This isn't the kind of waiting like, I'm waiting for a bus and it might not show up, okay? This is the kind of waiting that a kid has at Christmas, where every day in Advent, we're getting closer and closer and closer. They're not having a tantrum because they've got to wait longer. No, they're getting more, more and more and more excited saying, Christmas is coming, right? That's the kind of waiting. To wait on the Lord, it means to look with expectation, to look with expectation. Be of good courage. That means to be sure-footed, to be firm, to be grounded, amen, to not be moved when under pressure. And the result of this thing, he's going to strengthen your heart. He's going to strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Man, you know, when, when we put our hope in God, no matter what is going on, he strengthens our heart. He strengthens our heart. You know, Winston Churchill said this famous quote. He said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. I love that. It's not going to, you know, failure isn't fatal. It's, it's, it's not going to end you, right? Success is not final. You, we can't live off of yesterday's successes, right? Last year's, well, I had a victory one time. I had a testimony one time. No, we need to look forward. There's more testimonies yet to come. There's more dreams yet to be fulfilled. There's more opportunities coming. It doesn't matter how many you messed up in the past. Your future is not determined by your past. Amen. It's time for us to say, God, I'm agreeing with your future. Can I pray for you this morning? Let's all stand up a minute. Let's all stand up. I'm hoping that I have raised your expectation level. Uh, just a moment, for just a moment or two. Because when we raise our expectation... That is when God is, is able to meet us in that place of expectation and, and fulfill all of the things that he has been planning for you before you even existed, right? He's better than you think. Life's not fair. We have favor, amen? We have the advantage. We have a God that loves us, that has blessed us, that is planning good for us, amen? So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I thank you that you have so many good things planned for us. You have goodness and mercy following us all of the days of our life. 
Lord, I thank you that, that you are constantly imagining just how good things can be. That you are just imagining how new ways to get healing to us, new ways to get prosperity to us, new opportunities coming to us. Lord, I thank you that we walk in your blessings, that we walk in your benefits, that we are surrounded by your favour like a shield. Lord, I thank you that every place that the sole of our foot treads becomes blessed. Lord, I thank you that the blessing of God goes before us, goes overtakes us, it surrounds us, it chases us down. Lord, I thank you that your love is inescapable. It surrounds us, Lord, that no matter what that we can do, it's not bigger than what you've done. No matter what mess we've made, it's not bigger than the sacrifice that you paid for us. Lord, I thank you. Lord, help us to see by the eyes of faith. Open the eyes of our understanding that we might see what you are doing in this earth today. That we might see what you are doing in Gastonia today. What you are doing in the streets today. What you're doing in our churches today. In our families today. Lord, let us see differently when we go to work on Monday morning. When we walk into the workplace. And we, when we speak with our co-workers, Lord, let us see them differently. Let us see them with eyes that you see them in their full potential. Let us look at our spouse and look at our kids and the people around us and see them with new eyes today, with the full expectation. Let us expect good for them. Let us see them as successes waiting to happen. Let's see them in their full potential. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing that's gone before us. And Lord, right now, we just want to speak to bodies that are not operating in their full potential. Where there is flesh that has been um, manipulated by a negative expectation or, or a misguided expectation. Lord, right now, we set our expectations for health and wellness upon your word. We set our expectations for healing and wholeness upon your truth. We say, Lord, that our future is in your hands. Our future is determined by your plans. And right now we speak over us a long life and an expected end. And we take authority over all sickness and all disease from being amongst us. I thank you, Lord, that as we go from here, there will be no sick and no feeble amongst us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now we take authority over sickness and disease and we command it to be gone. We command that pain to leave in Jesus' name. Those bones and those limbs to function as they should, to be whole. Those organs to be fully functioning. Those lungs to breathe, that heart to pump in Jesus' name. The ringing in the ears to stop and the floaters in the vision to be clear right now. Cleared out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for fully functioning arteries, veins, lymphatic system. Thank you, Lord, for endocrine systems that work 100%. And I thank you, Lord, that our bodies are a germ graveyard. Our bodies are where germs come to die. Right now, they die on contact. We have strong, healthy immunity. We have an immune system that fights back, that tells the devil what to do. Thank you, Lord, that no germs can come into our presence and live. No virus, no bacteria, no infection can touch the cells of our body and multiply. No cancer can remain in those cells. Right now, I thank you, Lord, we receive into our bodies the fullness of your healing power in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We believe and we receive every good and perfect promise that you have for us today. And all the people say,